Y'all ain't following me. Y'all ain't following me. Look to someone say, I don't know about you, but I'm about to get some today. Uh, we're about to get the word this morning. We're about to get the word this morning. Amen. I'm excited to be here with you, and God is doing wonderful things. And so I just encourage you to open your heart. I encourage you to get ready. I encourage you to open your ears. I know it's early, and some of y'all are thinking about what we're going to eat later. I know I am, but I want you to focus on the word of God and get ready to receive from him this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your heart. God, this morning, we ask that you would begin to open our eyes to see your word in a new way. And God, we ask that this morning we begin to see with your eyes, God. We begin to envision God with your heart. Father, we begin to know your word and apply it according to your spirit, God, and according to the father's heart. God, we ask that this morning you would refresh us with your word, that it would fall on hearts of faith, God. And Lord God, we would be ready to live it in such a way, God, that transforms the world around us. God, we desire you this morning. Spirit of God, speak through me, Lord. Let this, let this house arise in maturity. Let this house arise in the power of the spirit. Let this house arise and be built, Lord God, to be the place that you have called us to be. We worship you. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're going to look at a, a familiar passage this morning, but I pray that we'll begin to allow God to open our hearts to see it in a new way. You know, a lot of times that we see, we see things that are familiar and what happens is we start treating them with contempt. You know, that word familiarity breeds contempt, right? You know, it's like when you get your dating and you see a girl and you're like, mm, that girl, mm, you know what I'm saying? That girl's hot. And then after about two years of dating or three, four years of getting married, she wakes up in the morning and has, this ain't my wife. You know, this ain't my wife. Just got to make that clear. Just got to make that clear real quick. She wakes up in the morning, you know, stanky breath, sweats on and like, what happened to that? Mm, what happened to that? Mm. And sometimes we do the same thing to the word of God. It's like we start reading it as new believers like, oh, day that was powerful. Right. When I first got saved, I was highlighting everything. You look at my Bible, it just look like neon green. But then after a while, you start reading it. And you're like, oh, that's, that was a good word. Yeah, I heard that message before. Yeah, I heard that 50 times before. Yeah, I heard from that pastor. Actually, that pastor preached it better. So I want to encourage you this morning to let the word of God, let it read you this morning. Let it read you. Let the word of God become the word of God to you once again. When I was younger, you know, my dad, he, my dad's such a wise man. He's an amazing man. And um, when I was younger, I was very impatient. Any of you impatient when you were a children? When you were a child, you're just impatient, right? And I remember one day my dad, well, actually, I don't remember. I just remember from the story that he tells me. And we got home from the grocery store. And I was crying. I was like, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. He's like, all right, mijo, just wait. Just wait, mijo. I'm going to make dinner. I'm going to make us a good lunch. We just went to the store. You see all the groceries? Just wait, mijo, hold on. I'm like, but Dad, I'm hungry now. Dad, I'm hungry now. Like, I had a vision. And it was food in my mouth. And I wasn't going to be deterred. Right? And I was like, I want it now, Dad. I'm going to get it. I'm hungry. My stomach. I was like, you know, can't you hear my stomach? I mean, I probably had snacks when I was there because my dad would always hook me up. Even when we're at the store, he'd open up a bag of chips. All right, go ahead and eat it and then just pay for it at the register. You know, he was, he was tight like that. And uh, so he probably did that kind of stuff. But I'm like, Dad, I'm hungry now. I'm hungry now. I want to eat now. He's like, Mio, just wait. Just wait. And I'm like, Dad, I can't wait. I'm so hungry now. And he said, finally, he said, you hungry now? You're hungry now? Okay. He went, he grabbed a loaf of bread. He grabbed a can of tuna, put the can of, can of tuna between the two pieces of bread and said, here, eat. And he said, I just started crying. I was like, oh, 
and just started bawling. And my brother's like, oh, you little punk. You said you're hungry. Go ahead and eat it. They're all clowning. You know, and it reminds me of a story. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. Because the son in Luke chapter 15, he starts off the parable or Jesus starts off this parable with the son having so much vision. And a lot of times when we look at the story of the prodigal son, we look at the younger son as this bad kid. And you know what I mean? This, this rebellious, rambunctious kid who just didn't want anything good from the father. But I hope that we can begin to see the son was not just like that. He, I think he was just hungry. I think he was just hungry. And so we're going to look at this passage this morning, Luke 15 in verse 11. And the title of today's message is the visionary, the wise one and the father. Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country, who sent, to a citizen of that country who sent him to his, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You know, when I look first at the sun, again, a lot of times we see him in a negative, negative light. But the one good thing I see about the sun the first good thing I see about the son is he knew who he was. He knew he was a son of his father. And some of you are like, well, I don't get that. What you're talking about? He knew that his father was balling. And he knew that it was his legal right as a son of his father to get part of his estate. You see, in the ancient world, when a father had an estate, literally it was something written within the Jewish law that the minute your the minute Israel's, the tribes of Israel received a land, they were never to sell the land or pass it on to anyone else outside of their tribe, outside of their lineage. So this son knew that his father was rich and his father inherited it from his father's fathers and from his father's fathers and from his father's fathers. He knew that he was a son and that therefore he was going to get his father's estate. Now he was the younger son. So what that meant was that the older son would get double what he would get, but he still knew he got something. So this son, he was confident. He's like, man, my father's a baller. So I'm about to get what's mine. I know that I'm rich because my father's rich. I know that I get something because my father got something. I know that I'm going to get what he has. But the only thing was he was hungry and he wasn't willing to wait. See, at this moment, he gets his, his courage enough to be like, hey, pops, See, I know you're pollen, right? Can you just hook me up right now? But see, I mean, we think of that as, oh, okay, that's just what it meant. Like, it's cool. He's just like, hey, just, just give me it right now. But see, in that time, it was literally wishing his father dead. It was literally saying, father, I don't really care about you or the rest of your estate, your future, your people, our family, really. Can I just get what's mine? Can I just get the sandwich now? Can I just get it? Because I know it's mine. See, some of us on the flip side, we don't really know what's ours. The one thing to this man, young man's credit was he knew he was a son of a rich man. Some of us as children of God, we're walking around with this poverty mentality as if our father has nothing to give us. 
When God said, when Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or what's going to happen tomorrow because your father who looks over the sparrows of the field cares about you. Matter of fact, you can't even turn one of your black hairs gray. But your father knows every day, every moment, every breath that you breathe. And so many of us are walking around like orphans. We're walking around like those who don't realize that our father is not just, I'm not talking about financially rich, but the spiritual inheritance that is ours. Inheritance of love, inheritance of grace, of forgiveness, of mercy, of authority. But yet this son knew who he was. And so he goes to his father and he's like, can I get this? Can I get what you got? Because I know that it's mine. And there was a great quality about this. There was something great about the son in that he was assured and confident in his inheritance. But it was just the wrong timing. It was just the wrong timing. And when you look at the father, you see that the father doesn't respond and say, oh, heck no. Nah, what you doing? I'm about to beat you, boy. I mean, if I say that to my dad, yo, pops, I know you're rich. Hey, can I get what's mine? Because I don't really care about you. I just want to do what I want to do. My pops will pull off his belt at that moment. And he beat me. In a loving way. In a very, very loving way. But the father recognizes something. He recognizes the quality of the son. Boy, this boy knows who he is. And not only that, he recognizes the vision that his son has. Wow. He can keep working with me and he'll inherit this. But he wants something greater. He's not satisfied just with the inheritance that he knows is his. And I don't just think that was greed. I don't just think that was greed. I think the father recognized my son is a visionary. My son sees what can be and will not be satisfied until it is. My son sees that there's more that can be given to him because he knows the God of Israel. And he's not satisfied with what's right in front of him. My son wants more than this. And I believe that the father at that moment recognized, wow, there's a visionary in my son. Yeah, he wanted to wish me dead. Yeah, he's wanting me to give him what he wants now. Yeah, it's not good timing, but there is something great inside of there. And I'm not just going to squash that. I mean, you know, little kids, when they got dreams, you know, and they take risks. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't, I was foolish. I didn't think about a lot of the stuff that I was doing. I remember being with friends and they're like, hey, Joseph, I dare you to throw a rock at that window. I'd be like, what? Like, dude, I dare you. For real? Okay. Pick up that rock and like, Boom, let's go. Why? Because there was something in me that was adventurous. There was something in me that loved risk. I mean, I just loved to see what could be. I just loved it. I mean, we would be at, across the street from Sunset High School, and there's the swimming pool there. And then during the summer, it gets hot, right? And at night, there's nobody there using it. I mean, it's wide open. Right? I mean, why waste good water? So as a kid, I mean, me and my brothers, we'd be like, hey, y'all, let's go swimming. Why? Like, we were just visionary. We, we ain't got no pool in our backyard. And mom gets mad when we're playing outside, getting wet, and running up the water bill. They're wasting their water because it's there and nobody's using it. Why not use it? So there was something in us that was like visionary. Like, let's do something crazy. Let's get out of the box. I mean, who cares if the cops are going to chase us? If we get caught, then we get caught, man. We'll deal with it later. Let's not worry about that. We ain't going to get caught, right? And I think that the father recognized in the son, he's a risk taker. This son is, yes, he's doing it completely out of timing. Yes, he's doing it completely the wrong way, but he's a risk taker. He wants something more than he has at this moment. And he's willing even to cut off all ties. 
Now, this blows me away because the son was willing to go to a place that was foreign to him. He was willing to go to a place where he didn't know anyone, where he had no family, no relationships, no job security. I mean, of course, that money was going to run out at one point, right? But he didn't think about that. He had nothing, but he was willing to take the risk to not be satisfied for the moment and what he had at that time. He was willing to step into a place of the unknown, just like Abraham. When God told Abraham, go to this place that I'm going to lead you. I mean, Abraham could have get, God, I want you to answer A through Z, please. I want you to, God, show me, okay, what's going to happen the second month after we plant the church? Lord, what's going to happen this, the third week after I minister to that friend? What am I supposed to do next? But God doesn't always do that so clean cut. And I think the father was willing to honor the fact that his son was willing to take this risk. How many of us as believers, we're just willing to be satisfied with where we're at. Never ready to take risks. Never willing to enter into the place of uncertainty. I mean, the place of uncertainty is the greatest place for God to demonstrate his glory. But it's one of the most fearful places for us. The place we never want to venture into. It's like, hold on, God. I'm not going to go unless I know for sure you're going to do this, this, and this. And God says, I'm not promising you nothing. Will you just go? Will you just do what it is I'm telling you to do? Will you just speak to the person that it is I'm calling you to speak to? But God, hold on. I mean, see, that don't fit in my theology, God. You know all things, right? And I have the mind of Christ, right? So that means you know all things and I have the mind of Christ. So I should know all things like you, God. And God says, no, I don't work like that. It just reminds me of my dad. A boy, I said, clean the bathroom. Don't ask me why, just do it. And sometimes that's what we're called to do in faith. And I just think that the father was willing to honor the riskiness of this young boy, the visionary spirit that he had. I think the father was just willing to say, okay, well, let's see what this is about. However, the father always knew and he recognized that this boy wasn't mature enough. He wasn't mature enough to really steward the things that the father wanted to give him. I mean, I remember being a young kid again with my daddy. And uh, how many of y'all liked the arcades when you were little? Anybody? Come on. Everybody liked the arcades, right? Come on. I mean, right? They got tattoos there that you can buy for like 25 cents, stickers, right? And the ones where you win tickets and you could like get prizes that are way overpriced. You spend like $50 trying to get 50 tickets to get a 25 cent airhead that you could have bought for a quarter at the store. But you know, it was like 50,000 tickets, but you just wanted it. You just wanted to win something. Anyways, this boy just wanted to win something. And I remember telling my dad, my friend's like, hey, we're going to the arcade. You want to roll? I was like, Heck yeah. And you know the one in Castro Valley, the golf land, right? They got the putt-putt, the golf, and then they had the arcade inside. I mean, you got 20. I went to my dad, and I was like, hey, Pops, can I go to the arcade? Everybody's going to go. And he's like, okay, cool. I was like, all right, but I don't got no money. Can I have some money? He's like, all right, hold on a second. He's looking through. He's like, all right, well, all I have is a 20. And in my head, all I heard was 20, and I started daydreaming. I'm like, I could play the claw game. I could play hega games at air hockey. I could play the speed game. I could play the gun game. And I, didn't, I, I guess I must have tuned out the part where he said, bring me back some change. And all I heard was change, right? 20 and change. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks, Dad. Oh, you're so awesome. Right? So I go. And there was a McDonald's right next door. And at that time, cheeseburgers were 49 cents. That was a spot. So $20, 49 cent cheeseburgers and arcade, man, it was legit. And so I remember going. 
And we're playing, we're playing. And my friend's like, hey, I'm running out of cash. I was like, hey, don't even worry, bro. I got you. I got 20 on it, boy. I got 20, right? So we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. Pretty soon, we get to the place where I got $19.25 has been used. I got three quarters in my hand. Like, hey, y'all, I think we should go, you know, because uh, I don't really got no more money. And like, are you sure, man? You're out, you're out, you're out. All I got is my cents. My dad said bring him back some change, so I got to go, man. They're like, all right. So we get back to the house. We're at the house, and my dad's like, hey, he's like, Mijo, where's that change at? Do you have a good time? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. Like, open my, you know, crickets start coming out of my pocket and drop three quarters. Yep. What's this? I was like, you said bring you back some change, Dad. Right? I was like probably like eight years old. Like, you said bring you back some change, Dad. He's like, 75 cents? I said change, that's quarters, Dad. You didn't say bring you back dollars, bills. It's like, boy, uh, he's just like, he's like, when I say bring me back some change, I mean like money, dollar bills and quarters, not just quarters, not just three quarters. I was like, dad, you said change. You said change, dad. See, I wasn't mature enough at that point to be given a $20 bill and go to the arcade. All I saw was the claw and prizes and air hockey and 49 cent cheeseburgers. I wasn't mature enough to know that my father was entrusting me with a $20 bill and then I could take that $20 bill, use 10 of it maybe, and allow him to use the other 10 for a snack or for his lunch tomorrow or to let him buy me ice cream because he was an awesome father. I was so immature at that point. And the same thing, this young boy, he was crying out. He was crying out, Father, give me my inheritance. Give me what I needed. And the father recognized it, but the father also recognized he wasn't yet ready. And as a result, he squandered it. And so many of us are like, God, give me that 20 now. God, give me that 20 now. Give me that promotion now. Take me to that place of ministry now, God. Father, bless me with that now. God, give me those gifts. Give me that calling. Give me that title. Give me that position now, God. I want the $20 now. And if God were to give it to you, you'd bring them back 75 cents with $19.25 worth of broken hearts, broken relationships, messed up job placement, all these other types of things. And God's saying, just wait. I know you're visionary. I know you have, you're willing to take risks, but are you willing to be matured and let me mature you to the place that you need to be so that way you can steward well what it is I desire to give to you? And the father still had compassion on this moment. And what happened was there was a famine in the land. You see, sometimes the greatest answer to prayer that God can give you is no answer at all. Your God do this. God do that. God move now. God move in this place. And the greatest answer he can give you is no or silence. It's one of the most fearful answers to have, but one of the greatest. But see, oftentimes we feel that when we're at the place of powerlessness, that God has abandoned us. We feel that when we're in the place of famine, when we're in the place of spiritual dryness, when we're in the place of nothingness, that God has abandoned us, he's left us, and he's no longer listening to us. However, for this son, he needed to go to the place of famine. He needed to lose all that he had to where he can depend on nobody else to where he'd have to turn back to the heart of his father. And sometimes God leads us to the desert places. He leads us to the dry places so that we can learn how to fully depend on him. You know, God's been speaking to me out of Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 35. And he says, I will turn their deserts into Eden and their wastelands into the garden of the Lord. 
In Isaiah 35, he said, I will make the burning sand like a pool. See, where we don't realize that sometimes God has to lead us to the place of absolute powerlessness. Where we feel completely incapable to see things happen. Completely incapable to make things happen. And we have to depend upon him to move and do what he needs to do in our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships, in our ministry. So that he can receive the glory for it. We're crying out, God, rescue me from this place. He's saying, hold on, just look to me. We're crying out, God, please move in this area. He's saying, hold on, just watch what I'm going to do. God, please change the situation. God, I feel like you're not here when I'm crying out to you. I'm praying to you, but it's hidden ceilings. It's hidden walls, cement ceilings are falling right back down to me. Just wait till I mature you in this season. You see, Jesus was in the place of wilderness for 40 days being tempted. And it was the spirit of the living God that led him to that place. Some of you don't realize it's God leading you to some of the deserts that you're in. It's God intentionally leading you to that place so that way you'll learn to, to, you'll recognize that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You'll recognize that it's not about how you can get yourself out of that place or what it is to talk, your, what the words that you can use to talk yourself out of that place. But you can recognize that it is God who's able to move and to shift and to make things happen. It's God who's able to give you words when you feel like you got nothing. And some of us are like, well, God, I mean, it's pretty intense. I mean, I felt a little depressed. I felt a little empty. I mean, I've been going to church faithfully, God, and nothing's happening. Pastor Benjamin's talking about building, but I don't see any gifts that I have, God. I've been at church, I live in hope, and things haven't really changed too much, Lord. Let me ask you, when you're in deserts, do you have Satan literally right in your ear? Saying, if you are the son of God. Jesus went through it all to be able to empathize with you. I mean, he literally had Satan himself in his ear hole trying to get him to doubt his identity, trying to get him to forfeit his authority as a son of God, trying to get him to question the word of God. And sometimes we just have these little lies that come up and we're like, oh, they're so big. These lies are so powerful, man. What the enemy is saying is so great. And God's just saying, will you just look to my word? Will you just renew your mind with truth? Will you just allow the word of God to dwell in your heart richly? Would you begin to quote it out loud? Will you begin to speak it over your life? Will you begin to speak it over your situation? Will you be like the son of God who said man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord? Will you meditate on it? Know it. Get it in your heart and begin to declare it with power. Sometimes God has to lead us to the place of famine so that we can recognize that he is our full dependence. Let's continue as we look at the son. In verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, a lot of times when we step out in vision and how many of you have just, you know it, man, I know God put something in my heart, but I just stepped out a little too early. I know God told me to do something, but it wasn't the right time. I remember I was in high school, I was in the Christian club and I was the president of the Christian club at the time. And there was one person and, um, I don't know. I just thought the person didn't like me. Right. You know, those people that are just like always talking mess to you. And like, yeah, can we, can you do this? I don't got to do that. 
well, okay, this is what we're going to do as a club. Why we got to do it that way? I'm like, just constantly. And it was a girl, so she like, shake her head, you know, do all that kind of junk. And so I was like, dang, man. And I remember one time I was just praying. I was like, God, please, what, how do I, what do I do with this person, Lord? I mean, this is your daughter. You love her. I mean, what, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? And the Lord just said, you know what? She has trouble submitting to authority. Just love her. I was like, but hold up. Why she got to say that to me? Why she got to do that to me, Lord? I mean, why don't you do that to her mama? I ain't her mama. I ain't her daddy. She don't got to play me like that. And God just said, just love her. Right? And so the next day comes, and I'm praying for her. I'm praying for her. And the next day comes, and uh, she starts going off again one time. And I was like, I remember what God said, right? And I was like, see, you just have trouble submitting to authority. You just need to submit. And, oh, it went off even more at that point. It just blew up in my face. And later, I was like, God, what happened? He said, boy, I told you. Joseph, I told you to just pray for her and just to love her. And it blew up. And sometimes we're just like we're we're just like that. God's telling us something or God's wanting us to pray for something. And we just want to see it happen so much right away that we're not willing to wait to let God order the things that need to be ordered in order for us to get ready to move into it. And at this point, you know, I'm like, I was like, God, what happened? And I just said, just love her and pray for her. And it was cool. The next day she came up to me and was like, you know what? I just have trouble submitting to authority. I'm really sorry that I did that to you. And it was powerful. And we're like heck of good friends now, even to this day after high school. But, you know, sometimes we just jump out and we do things that shouldn't be done. And that's what this boy did. And he thought, well, if I try to go back to the father, he's going to reject me and deny me. I'm not worthy to be called his son. And what happens sometimes we mess up in our walks with God and we feel as if our unworthiness was that our, our, our worthiness was the thing that brought us to relationship to him in the first place. And what happens is the enemy gets in our ear the minute we mess up, he jumps in our ears like, dude, you're not worthy to be called a son anymore. You're not worthy to be called a daughter anymore. Look at man, you squandered everything God gave you. You messed it up. You took that vision. Yeah, you were a visionary, but you messed it up. You failed badly. You know, I remember when I was a young boy, my dad, again, he's heck of a patient, man. He's a patient man. And it was the Olympics. And it was during the summer. And we were right getting ready to go to a, a, a baseball tournament. And I had been looking forward to this tournament for years because all my brothers went and they, they, we won it. The East Bay won it. Every year we come back for the, like four or five years in a row, we come back with a trophy. And finally, it was my year. And I was excited. I was 11 years old. It was for 11 and 12-year-olds. And I was like, let's go. I'm about to get a trophy. It's going to be awesome. And the Olympics were on. My dad had to go to Sports Mart at the time. Now it's Sports Authority to get some equipment for us because he's a good father. And the last thing he says to us before he leaves, mijo, boys, don't wrestle. You couldn't tell me that. You just couldn't. I mean, even now, Pastor B is like, Joseph, you need to stop wrestling, man. I mean, I've broken like four walls, three windows in our school dorms. I was a house rep, and I was the one breaking walls. And the, the person needed, Joseph, I know I shouldn't have to tell you this because you're the house rep, but you can't be wrestling and breaking walls, okay? Yes, I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. But the last thing he told us before he left was don't wrestle. And I remember, you know, <laughs> as soon as he shut that door, my brother just gets up. What? What you going to do, you little punk? <laughs> oh, you don't want to wrestle because dad said don't wrestle? It's just because you scared, huh? My brothers were instigators, man. We go off. And so he's just getting in my face. And I'm like, look, dad said don't wrestle. Oh, dad said don't wrestle, huh? Oh, dad said don't wrestle, huh? 
I was like, you know what? Forget this, bro. Let's go right now. So we start wrestling, right? We going at him. One of my brothers watching the Olympics, another brother's in one of the rooms. And all I know is I was getting him. And my brother's like, dang, Joey, get him, boy, get him. Like, my brother's just instigated everything, right? So my brother's getting madder. He's getting madder. He's like, and he goes to pick me up, and he slams me, and he snaps my ankle, and my foot looks like this. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, ah, crying. My brother comes in from one of the rooms, and he's like, dude, what happened? What happened? I heard something pop. And that, like, I mean, I was just like, you heard something pop? Ah, it's going to be even worse, right? And then my other brother's in the room. This is my hard brother, right? And looks at me. He's like, man, you little sissy. You just sprained it. Get up, you punk. And I was like, no. And it's like this, right? He goes and gets a big old 10-pound bag of ice. Man, you little punk. Drops the ice on the ankle. Ah! And I remember, though, we got to call dad. It's going to be lights out. I mean, forget about the baseball tournament. I got to deal with pops. And my brother's like, I'm going to page dad. Because, you know, back in the day, we didn't have those texts. You know, no iPhones, no Androids. Just like the little beep, 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 beep. One, four, three, I love you, right? All that kind of junk. And uh, so I was like, no, nah, don't page it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just please. I'll die. Just don't do it. Like, nah, man, this looks bad. Your ankle's going that way. Your leg's going this way. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm crying, bawling. My, my, my dad, he gets the page, and then he pulls on. He goes, like, pulls over. You know, he's like, okay, this must be emergency, 911. And so, I mean... He kind of took emergencies with the with the grain of salt because like we'd be like nine one one dad nine one one he called hey dad can you bring back some McDonald's when you come home please All right, so nine one one he was kind of like mm. but he pulled over he's like thinking okay man what's you guys he wants some food on the way home and one of my brothers was like dad um you gotta come home right now because Joseph doesn't look good and he's like what are you talking about Joseph doesn't look good he's like dad I know you told us not to wrestle but we wrestled. And uh, his foot's going one way and his leg's going the other. You should come home right now. And so my dad flips the U.E., comes back on the freeway. And honestly, I was expecting, like, my dad's about to beat the mess out of me. My dad's about to get me, dude. He's about to give it to me. I won't be able to sit on my butt for, like, the next 10 years of my life. I'll be walking around with a little cushion everywhere I go. And he gets in the house. And he he doesn't even ask, like, what happened. He doesn't look at any of us. "You, You shouldn't have done that. You stupid. You idiot. None of that. He just looks at us. He looks at me, (laughs) scoops me up in his arms, runs me to his car, and speeds me off to the hospital. And I never hear nothing about, I shouldn't have done it. I never heard nothing about, you. I told you so. I never heard nothing about you. What are you doing? What's your problem? I told you guys not to, none of that. The father looked at the son with compassion. At that moment, my father entered into my circumstance. How would I feel if my foot was going one way and my leg was going the other? Would I want to be yelled at this moment? Guess what? Joseph learned his lesson. I don't need to point it out to him. He knows what he did was wrong. He knows that he was rebellious. He knows that he was stubborn and hard-headed. But guess what? He's my son and I love him. And the same thing that happens and the enemy tries to get you to a place where you're saying, um, you're unworthy. You're not fit to be called a son anymore. Joseph, your dad's not going to love you anymore. You're going to have to do this and this and this to make up for it. You're going to have to do this, this and that to be pleasing in his sight once again. And the father's just looking at us with compassion, just saying, come on, let me scoop you up in my arms. Let me put you in the car and let me rush you to the place of spiritual recovery that I need to take you to. And all along, the son is feeling unworthy. All along, the enemy is trying to get him to forfeit his identity as a child, as a child of the father. 
all along, the enemy, the enemy's trying to speak it in his ears, just saying, give it up, man. Give it up. He doesn't love you anymore. Give it up. And at this moment, the son in his own heart feels as if he can't call father, father. And he says, I'll be a hired hand. I'll work. I'll do these righteous acts. I'll go to church. I'll do whatever it is I have to do to be pleasing in your sight again. But see, the son lost vision for himself. He started off with great vision. I want to take risk. I want to go to a country that no one has ever gone to. I want to do something that none of our family has ever done. I want to go to a place that nobody knows about. I want to travel. I want to experience the world. I want to go where it's freedom. I want to go where no one else has ever gone before. To infinity and beyond. But something happened in that famine where he lost his sense of identity and he lost vision for himself. But the father never lost vision for his son. The father knew that there was a visionary inside of that young boy. And he knew that that vision was a part of the father's heart. He was just in the wrong timing. He just went about it the wrong way. He just took the reins by himself and didn't allow the father to get him to the place where he was ready to go where he needed to go. And the father never lost vision for him. Scripture tells us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's never about you getting to the place where you're good enough to go into the work of God or do what God's calling you to do. There's never anything that you can do to be fully prepared. It's God's grace from beginning to end. It's God's call from beginning to end. It's God's father's heart from beginning to end. And the father had to remind, you're not a hired hand. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you've done. There's nothing that you can do to win my approval again, son. I am your father. You will always be my son. You are always a part of my lineage. You always bear my DNA. You always have me inside of you. You can't walk away from me. No matter how much you've messed yourself up, no matter how many lies you believe, no matter what you've done, you still bear my DNA. I look into your eyes and I see me. I look into your face and I see me. I watch your walk and I see me. I look at the things that you do and I see me. When Pastor Benjamin's talking about building, it's time for us to get ready to recognize that God is establishing his work as the father of this house. And some of us have counted ourselves as unworthy. Some of us are counted ourselves as not fit for it. Some of us have counted ourselves as not ready or not prepared, or we've messed up too much in the past, or we've been part of so many other ministries and we've seen things not happen yet. And the father's saying, I still see me in you. Are you willing and are you ready to enter into the place that I have for you? And as he comes back, the older brother there, we're going to skip ahead. He comes back into the older brother and the older brother's there. And the older brother hears that he had a robe placed on him and he had a ring placed on him and he has sandals placed on him. And he hears that the father killed the fattened calf for him. See, the first son was the visionary. The second son was the wise one, or so he thought. The second son was in the house working hard, laboring, doing all the ministry tasks, doing exactly what the father wanted him to do. He was obedient. He was at all the prayer meetings. He was at the services. He did everything the right way. But how many of you know you can still do the right thing but not be right? You know, my brothers, they got in a fight when they were little. Two of my oldest brothers. And they, you know, we didn't, they, they weren't like really fist fighting, but they're like messing around. We, that was one thing that God, like, no matter how many brothers we had, and we had like 50, and we were crazy, right? We never really got angry to the point where we wanted to kill each other, praise God. But my brothers, they got in a fight. And they were there one day they were there, they're getting each other, they were going after each other. And 
my dad, he finds him, you know, my mom brings him to my dad or whatever. And he's like, all right, what happened? Because they were going after it. And my brother's like, dad, I just did what you told me to do. And my dad, what? I never told you to fight your brother. What are you talking about? No, dad, but you told me about that verse that Jesus said. So I was just doing what was in the Bible. What? You're doing the Bible? What are you talking about, boy? You know that verse you said that Jesus said? Do unto others as you want them to do unto you? Yeah. Well, dad, he punched me first, so he must have wanted me to punch him back. My dad's like, oh, man. Boy, I'd have... he took that verse so out of context. He knew the right thing, but he still wasn't right. And so many times we're, we're, we're holding to, to the law. You see, law without the father's heart leads to legalism. Law without the father's heart leads to legalism. See, he, he knew do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But he didn't know what the heart of that was. Jesus was speaking about being sacrificial like he was. Jesus was speaking about giving the way that he gave. Jesus was speaking about loving the way that he loved. Not if someone punches you, you punch them back because they must have wanted you to punch them. Some of us are like that. Well, my, my boss was saying mess about me behind my back. He must have wanted me to talk behind his back. My wife's talked about me like this in front of her friends. She must have wanted me to dog her in front of my friends. And we take scripture and we twist that mess. Because we have the law, but we don't have the heart. And Jesus said of the Pharisees, he said, they worship me, or they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship, it's but rules taught by men. I mean, they got all the external righteousness that you can think of in the world. And this was the group that he was hitting to with the wise son. He's saying, son, you know what's right. You're obedient to me. You're right. You do exactly what I say. You're right. You do all the right things. You're right. But you're missing. You're missing something. You're my son and so is he. And there is nothing that could end that. So many times we're sitting there criticizing, but God, the pastor did this and the leader did that. I remember when I first became a pastor, I was slapped by God so hard that I wanted to cry for three years in a row. Because I I didn't realize how many times I've criticized Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny. How many times in my heart I judged what they did. And see, the older son was doing that to the father. See, father, you don't know what you're doing, man. If I was the father of this house, you know what I would have done? I would tell that boy he can't ever come back. I would make him crawl on his knees and kiss the ring on my finger. He left you, dad. He left this house. I mean, he walked away from you. He turned his back on you. And so many times as believers, we do the same thing to the body of Christ. We're so quick to criticize one another. We're so quick to judge one another. We're so quick to turn our backs on one another. Listen, Jesus does not need help in straightening out his church. He loves his bride far more than any of us could ever love his bride. We have to get to the place where we enter in to the place of the father's heart, where we don't just know the right things to do. We don't just know the right things to say. We don't just know the right prayers to pray, but we enter into the place of the father. See, the father wanted the older son to when he heard about his younger son to run out there and greet him with him. The father, I'm sure, was long at man. I wish my older son would just run and grab his younger brother and say, man, it's so good to see you again. When you see a believer come back to Christ after they've walked away for 10 years to just run up to them and say, man, well, I don't even care. I'm not going to even ask any questions. How are you doing, man? It's so good to see you again. 
When you see someone that's decided to go to another church or be a part of another ministry, not dang, see, they should have stayed at Living Hope. If they really were men and women of God. But to say, man, what is God doing in your life? How is the Lord working inside of your heart? You know what? You may have lost vision for yourself, but our father never lost vision for you. And I've never lost vision for you. Man, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for your dad. He's been out there every single day looking for you, looking for you. And when he's come home to the house, I say, hey, pops, did you see him yet? Did you see him yet, pops? I know he's going to come back. Did you see him yet? Was he there? Dad, was he there? I mean, come on, dad, tell me something. Tell me. And we have to begin to go from the place where we think we're the wise ones to where we enter into the heart of the father. And the heart of the father is embracing the sons and daughters, both the ones that are in the house working, those who are serving and laboring and building what the father is building. And those who were visionary and decided to go out a little too early or those who went off on their own or did things in the wrong timing. And the father's heart is to have both of them come because the father needs both to establish his house. The father needs both to continue his work. The father needs both to grow his house and to develop his sons to be at the place that they are called to be. They they needed one another. You see, what happens with visionaries, we're crazy. And we're like, God, you need to do this, this, and this. We're believing God to do all these things. And Pastor Benjamin, he is a visionary. God has put things on his heart for this city and for this Bay Area. And guess what? God is going to do some powerful things through him. But some of us are like, well, he's not laying out A through Z. He's saying that God's going to build a house, but he's not giving specific instructions. And what's happening is we got the wise one pitted against the visionary or we have the visionaries pitted against the wise one. Those who are in our ministries are our leaders that we're saying, though, they're heck of visionary, they're heck of visionary. Or those who we are the ones that are saying we're visionary and all they want to do is sit down and work out the details. Like, dang, man. Every time I got, I want to go somewhere. Every time God wants me to do something, that always asks me questions. Well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to pay for that? How's this going to happen? What's going to happen here? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? What's going to happen there? And the enemy tries to get us to be pitted against one another. But see, God is a family man. And he recognizes that both sons are needed. Both vision and wisdom are needed to fulfill the heart of the father. When Pastor Benjamin's been speaking about vision and he's been speaking about building this house, God needs both the visionaries of this house and both the wise ones of this house. And some of you are here and you're visionaries and God's putting great things on your heart for school, for work, for your family. And you need to continue to envision for those things. And some of you, God has given you wisdom. It's knowledge, but you also know how to apply it. And you're going to know when to apply it. You're going to know what exactly to do and what exactly to say, where exactly we're meant to go. You're not greater than the visionary and the visionary is not greater than you. Because it's the heart of the father that unites us together. Some of you are saying, well, I ain't got no vision. Well, guess what? The father has vision enough for you. To say that you have no vision for your life is to deny the reality of the spirit of God living inside of you. And to say that you have no wisdom is to deny the power of God's presence that's promised and stated and declares that lives inside of you. To say that you don't have either one of these things is to call God a liar and to make him untrue. Because God is the ultimate visionary. And God is the ultimate wise one. And God is the father. And we as a house need to begin to rise up together. Some of you have, there's vision and things that God's placing inside of you. It's just untapped. It's just not revealed yet. It's just not unveiled yet. And some of you, there's wisdom. God's given you knowledge and he's going to teach you how to apply it. 
but he's waiting for you to move into the place where his heart becomes your heart. Where it's not just knowing the right things to do or when to do them, but it's knowing the heart of the father and how they're meant to be applied. But together as a house, God is bringing vision and he's bringing wisdom and he's going to build it with his heart as a father. It's time for us to rise up, church. It's time for us to rise up, to stop, to stop denying what it is that God is saying of us. To truly be the house that he's called us to be. To be the body that he's called us to be with faith, with power, and authority. It's in you because you bear the image of the Father. Father, we worship you this morning. And God, this morning, I just declare in the name of Jesus that vision is being released over this house, God. Lord, you've given us a command to build. Pastor Benjamin declared last Sunday, God, that there are some that are in here, Lord, that are stonecutters, some that are woodcutters, Lord God, and some that are carpenters. Father, I pray right now for an unveiling of vision in the name of Jesus. I pray that your sons and daughters will begin to see themselves the way that you do, Lord God. And Lord, some may have tried to run ahead. And some may have squandered or felt like they squandered what you gave them. But Lord, you are the father who never loses vision for them. Some, Lord God, have walked out of the fold and they've known you, but they've turned away from who you are. And Lord God, you've never lost vision for them. And I declare in the name of Jesus that this morning, this morning, God is desiring to rekindle vision. God is desiring to rekindle vision. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. And God is taking us to a place beyond criticism. He's taking us to a place where the older son no longer remains as older son, but he moves into the father's heart. Some of you, God is saying, I want to shift your heart right now. Some of you, God is saying, I want to shift your heart right now. I want to shift your heart because with this criticism, you can't put your hand to the plow and truly build with my heart. And God's saying, I want to shift you right now. And I want to establish you in truth. God's saying, I want to shift you right now. Come on, I want you to open your mouths and just begin to allow the Lord to fill you with vision once again. I want you to allow the Lord to give you his heart once again. Some of you say, well, God, I've been serving in ministry for a long time. God, I've been to a lot of different churches. Lord, I've seen a lot of different things. And none of them are doing what you say you want them to do. None of them are being the body that you want them to be. Don't you think that God knows that? Jesus loves his bride. He shed his blood for her. He knows it. He knows it. And he's ready to make it right. And he's already doing it. See, the father didn't deny what the younger son did. But the father saw beyond it to who he was truly meant to become. And the father didn't criticize the older son to the point where he was browbeaten and beaten down so much where he felt that he could never be accepted or contribute anymore. But he, t- he shifted his heart. He was trying to move his heart to the place where he truly entered into the Father's heart. This morning, God is beginning to shift us right now because he is building his house. And some of you, he's going to release vision. Some of you, God is going to release vision for jobs. And he's releasing vision for ministry. And he's releasing vision for the work that's happening here in Emeryville. And some of you, God's giving wisdom. Come on, I want you just to open your mouth and begin to say, Father, take me there. Father, take me there. Father, take me there. Father, release it over me. Release it over me. Release it over us this morning. God, we declare in the name of Jesus that we're going to be the visionary and the wise ones. And we're going to have the Father's heart. God, we declare in Jesus' name that we're going to move forward as one. God, we're going to move forward as a body today, Lord God. We're going to dust off. Lord God, we're going to allow you to put a new robe on us today in Jesus' name. Father, all the disillusionment. 
all the sense of emptiness, God, we declare we're going to allow you to move us to the place that you've called us to be, God. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we honor you. For those of you who just need a rekindled vision right now, I want you to lift up your hands. Maybe you felt like that son and you just said, you know what? I feel like I'm in the, there's famine here. There's been famine here. I've been serving, but still there's famine here. I, I've been doing these things. I've ran ahead of the Father. If that's you, I want you just to lift up your hands. Come on, if that's you, you need a rekindled vision right now. I want you just to lift up your hands. Father, we declare it in Jesus' name. Revive it, God. Revive it, Father. I just declare, Lord God, that you are going to release the vision of the Father over them in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would show them your vision. I pray that you would show them your vision, Lord God. You would show them that you never give up on them. You haven't given up, God. Lord, you're moving them. You're shifting them to the place that you call them to be. God, you have not given up vision on your sons and daughters. You have not given up vision on this house. God, this is the season where we are breaking forth into new things. God, and these visionaries are needed. They are needed, God. They are needed, God. I declare in the name of Jesus that they are being revived. They are being revived. They are being revived right now in Jesus' name. For those of you who said, man, I know God's giving me wisdom. I'm just able to see things come together. He's given me administrative gifts. He's, he's showed me how to piece things together. I want you just to lift up your hand because the Father is going to give you his heart with it. Come on, for those of you who just say, man, I'm ready. I want, I want those gifts. I want that wisdom. I want to enter in. I want to be the wise one who doesn't just know how to honor God with their lips, but I want my heart to be never close to him. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands. Father, we just declare a release of the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power and of might released upon your sons and daughters this morning, God. Father, I declare in Jesus' name that you are activating the wise in this house. You are activating the advisors, God. You are activating those who see, God. You are activating those, Lord God, who plan. You are activating those who have minister. God, we declare in the name of Jesus that you are activating in this house in Jesus' name. God, we receive that today. We receive that today. We receive that. And all of us, let's just lift up to our hands to the Father one more time. God, we receive your heart as Father. Come on, just receive the Father's heart this morning. Father, we receive your heart. God, we're going to have your vision for your bride. We're going to have your vision for your house, God. We're going to have your vision for your sons and daughters, God. Father, we're going we're gonna to not be bound by disillusionment or discouragement any longer, God. We're going to have your vision and your heart and your wisdom, God. Father, I declare your heart is overwhelming this church in the name of Jesus, God. Your heart is moving us to a place, God, where we walk in the fullness of our inheritance, the fullness of our authority, Lord God, and the fullness of your power and love, God. We declare it in Jesus' name. God, we worship you this morning. Why don't you just thank God for a moment. Just give him a thanks. Give God a thank offering this morning. God is doing some amazing things. We got to get ready. Because as a body, we're moving forward. God has taken us as a house. We're moving forward. And we need every son. And we need every daughter to go to that place. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Church 101, for those of you who are interested in being a part of membership here at Living Hope.